Hello, I'm your host, Jennifer Adams, and welcome to the Signature Leadership Podcast by Knowledge Hook, a podcast where we explore the topics most relevant to senior education leaders from around the world. In this podcast, I welcome an exceptional leader in education, Dr. Mario Killinen. Mario is the Head of Education Development Services in Helsinki, Finland. In this role, she leads the provision of education for the full gamut of learners, from preschool to young adults. Scholars have been studying the Finnish education system for the last couple of decades, since Finland emerged at the top of the PISA rankings. In this episode, Mario discusses Helsinki's participation in the OECD Survey of Social and Emotional Skills, one of the first international forays into measuring non-cognitive skill development. Hello, Mario. It is such a pleasure to have you here with us today. Hello, Jennifer. It's my pleasure to... I'm really waiting for our discussions and conversation because I know that it really kicks off. (laughs) (laughs) Mario, I had the pleasure of meeting you many years ago, and I can't even remember at what uh, occasion, but it was something around improving schools. And you and I were across the room from each other and talking and presenting our views. And the second that I heard you speak, I thought that is a soulmate. That is someone who's doing very similar work than I am and approaching it in a special way. And it was such a pleasure to meet you then and to be able to continue our work today. Exactly. I've been thinking of the moment. Actually, it was in Sao Paulo, if I remember correctly. And during the discussion, I really felt the very same thing that, oh, there's my soulmate. We have met in other life before. (laughs) But what was the most amazing thing is that someone asked me afterwards, how many years have you worked together? And I said, okay, let me see, half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mario, you are an incredible leader and I'm really looking forward to having this discussion. Of course, I've had the uh, privilege of meeting you and working with you since that time, but the listeners might not know your background. So just give us a few words, you know, what was your background in education and what's the role that you play now in Finland and in Helsinki? Thank you, Jennifer. Actually, what I want to say first is that I'm a teacher by background. So I have been actually teaching in the early childhood education center as well in the primary school. So in a way, I know how it smells and sounds, and I'm very proud of that. I have PhD in education, and my kind of enthusiastic theme is the future school, how to build up a good quality of leadership, how to promote a leadership that empowers people, and how do we success and sustain in the future and that's I'm constantly I did my PhD more than more than about 10 years ago but that's something that I'm constantly thinking of and also making tiny tiny researches on that currently I've been working in this type of developmental work since the beginning of 2000 and in the leadership position for education in the administration since uh, 2004, so it's quite a long journey already. Currently, for the past four years, I've been working as a head for development service unit in the city of Helsinki, and my responsibility is all the things that you can think under the 
umbrella of uh, quality of the learning and teaching curriculum, special education, et cetera, et cetera. Also this type of research is, uh, and how to guideline and lead the pedagogical processes in our city. And we are offering services from the early childhood up to the adult training. And that is very thrilling because I used to work for the basic education. And now for the past four years, I have the privilege of developing services together with our leaders from the early childhood up to the adult training. And that's something that I'm really happy of this possibility. We have 14,000, more than 40,000 people, professionals working in our education division. So it's quite a big organization in, in, in a Finnish perspective. Mario, Helsinki and Finland is so lucky to have you as a leader. And, you know, I'm sure the audience has heard a lot about education in, in Finland, certainly for the last Oh, more than a decade. Finland scores very well on the PISA international assessments. And a lot has been written by Pasi Selberg and other academics about what makes the Finnish education system so successful. And not to get too far into that, but just a couple of comments about the Finnish education system. What's different about it compared to other systems around the world? Just a couple of pieces with it. That's a good question. And I'm very often ask that and and of course there are some kind of uh, phenomena or features that are very typical to our Finnish education and I would say the crucial thing what happened or what made us what we are today was a reform that happened over 40 years ago that kind of renewed very inclusively our education system and we got a very a comprehensive public education system where all the kids from the neighborhood are coming together and be taught by the very, very same teachers. And we don't have kind of private tracks and different tracks. Um, so the, the education that the children can achieve or have is not dependent on the background of their parents or their parents' ability to educate or train their children. So the public education, free public education is a cornerstone, and the values behind that, that are even more important, they are equality and equity. And in a way, we have been developing these services throughout these decades, how to improve the practices of our schools to be even more inclusive, how we can ensure that all the children are getting the support that they are having and what is the question of uh, equity so that uh, it's not only supporting those who have the needs but also how to ensure that everyone has the, the opportunity to grow and develop in their potential. So I think these are kind of the core values that we are still carrying with us and they are our basis for whatever we do, however we want to develop our school. So this question of equality and equity offer equal opportunities to each and everyone to achieve their potential and also the understanding that the one task of the education, important task of, of the education is promote social cohesion and well-being of all our students and kids. Of course, then it uh, one key success element for that is that we have highly qualified teachers and also very committed to their work to do the best. 
Mario, I think that's why you and I related so well to each other, because in some ways, you know, there's lots of commonalities between the systems in Canada and the system in Finland. And uh, that idea of really making sure that every child has access to the highest quality education is something that's across both systems. No surprise that uh, we could relate to each other and that we became good colleagues and friends, that's for sure. Exactly. Let's turn our attention over to the OECD study on social and emotional learning. And both of us got involved in that project very early. And I thought it was interesting when it was first brought up to me by Koji Miyamoto, who was the project director at the time. He brought it forward as PISA was, of course, very well known for the evaluation of achievement in reading mathematics and science for 15-year-olds. And yet there was a pushback saying, you know, there's more to education, teaching and learning than just those subject areas. And so out of that came this idea to have a survey on social emotional learning. And I'm curious, why was Helsinki interested in taking part in that study? Actually, when the director Andreas Leicher visited our city and, and met our executive director and the vice mayor years back, so he introduced this uh, study and we discussed, uh, or I would say that immediately we understood that this is something that is very strongly embedded in our education, the understanding of the importance of social and emotional skills. It's even written in our core curriculum. So we found that there is a opportunity for us to understand better the key elements for social and emotional learning. And we had this idea and understanding that they are not traits. They are something that can be thought in the school, but there was no international, similar international research survey where we could have more deeper understanding of these skills, how to learn, and where our students stand. What are their capabilities? What are their social and emotional skills? What, where are the lacks? Because that's also something that's very typical to our education system and our thinking, that we always want to kind of improve things. We want to understand better. We want to know where are the black spots and how can we help our children to grow and how can we help our teachers to understand the phenomena and how can we how can they build their competencies. So immediately when we heard and then we started to discuss about that, so we knew that that's a survey for us. That's something that is kind of lacking there. So it was kind of easy to get in and it didn't take that much time for our other leaders to come to a conclusion that this is something that we must definitely be in and we want to be one of the first uh, cities to participate in this. It was a fascinating project and it took a while to develop it. I think everyone is well aware and that's probably why there weren't as many international assessments in the area of non-cognitive skills. Cognitive skills, there's more of an understanding of how to measure them, how to evaluate them and how to put that into a study. This was new ground. You know, I remember in the very early days of the study, there were academics from the behavioral sciences, from the measurement sciences, from economics, you know, a whole range of different sectors that came together to provide advice, technical advice on how to go about creating a study that could measure these 
skills. And so it took a while. And I, I certainly remember meeting with you and representatives from the other 10 cities from around the world that got together and followed the process before the actual administration. What did you as a leader and, and what did Helsinki learn from the process throughout the time of getting towards the administration of the study, even before you had the results? What did you learn through that process? Actually, I think that part was very interesting and also very educating. And I really like and love the opportunities to come together and to discuss, because this, as you said, this was an kind of uh, on a new territory where we were entering, because we were definitely quite strongly thinking, all of us thinking that we are talking about skills that can be learned. And I can remember that we came back to that idea one time after another, that we are not looking any trades. We want to look this as an educational task and an opportunity. So what I personally learned was the about the importance of collaboration and, and cooperation and discussions and exchanging ideas. And it taught me a lot about the very same phenomena in, in other countries and cities. We have similarities and then we had different approaches. So it also helped me to reflect our situation and what are the practices that we are having in Helsinki and in Finland and what we can learn from the others. So it was a learning journey for me as well. Also, we collaborated very strongly and closely with the University of Helsinki. And that's something that uh, we have been doing also before, but I think that also strengthened our connections with the University of Helsinki. And that is also something that is very beneficial when now when we are thinking how to, what other actions we should be taking uh, based on their survey. But uh, this kind of mixture of uh, administrators like you and me, and then the researchers, then the statistics, and we needed, we needed these discussions to understand the core of the survey and also it helped me when we really administrated the surveys because of course there were millions of questions so I didn't know why we are doing this it was not something that was given to us but we have been there throughout many years and understood better the, the process so it, it was really interesting. It was a fascinating process Mario and I agree 100% with what you've reflected on I thought it was fascinating that the 10 cities that were involved were from systems right around the world. We had China, South Korea, we had the US, we had Canada and Helsinki, Finland and Portugal cities within each of those countries. So very different education systems. And it was fascinating hearing the conversation because we weren't talking about academic skills that had been talked about so much. We were moving into a new area and hearing the reflections of the leaders in those systems as they described their challenges and how they're trying to help their students develop those skills was really interesting. The other thing that I personally learned is something that you remarked on as well. The research came out very strongly that social emotional, that these are skills and not characteristics or personality traits. And I found that finding so helpful because it gives our systems hope. It helps inform. I brought that information back to the leaders in my school district, and I said, this is such a hopeful stance because it means that every child can develop these skills. And the other thing that came out, I'm sure you remember this, was that compared to cognitive skills, social-emotional skills are much more malleable. So they develop over a longer period of time. And 
our secondary principals found that really hopeful because it gave them a real sense of importance that they could continue, they and their teachers could continue to help students develop those skills. And of course, our employers are right in this conversation as well because the research says that those skills continue to develop into adulthood. And so, you know, when you think of that continuum that you talked about at the beginning of our session today, where you're responsible from everything from early childhood all the way into adulthood, these skills develop over that continuum as well. And I think that that's fascinating and hopeful. It is. And actually, now that we are in this kind of phase of thinking of the real actions, so we have deeper understanding. And also we can see that how do we support this type of development throughout the years of education and and to to the adulthood. And also, as you said, that there's hope. And at the same time, when we see that, okay, I'm going already to the results, but we can see the strong connections in between social and emotional skills and the academic achievements. So it also gives us another tool how to kind of fill the gaps when we know that there are gaps and this kind of scissors effect is um, seen in uh, globally seen that those that are doing well are doing better and those that have problems have bigger problems. And I think this uh, research also gave us understanding that it's not only trying to kind of fill the gaps in academics, we have to look at the holistic picture and then comes the social emotional skills in the picture probably focusing on them first, instead of thinking of what is lacking in the mathematical understanding or literature or anything, but focus on those that uh, seems to be in very core of learning. You've provided a perfect transition into a little discussion on the actual findings. So the really interesting report, the first international report came out in September, I believe, and it was called Beyond Academic Learning. And Andreas Schleicher makes a a comment in the introduction to that report, and he says, social emotional skills are the bedrock of students' well-being and academic achievement. That is such a strong statement. And to be able to make that at the conclusion of an international study, what a wonderful platform for all of us to be thinking as we go forward with school improvement and system improvement in education. It was a sur- kind of surprise for me that irrespective of the cultural background and, as you say, the very different educational systems and approaches to learning. So it seems that they are the very same social and emotional skills that are connected, for example, to the uh, connected to the academic achievements like resilience, optimism, curiosity, that you can see the link there, strong link there globally, irrespective of from which country or city that do the results come. Also, of course, it was the, I was delighted of this uh, result that was uh, the global result, that the international result, that uh, it's worth of investing also this kind of arts and crafts and sports because those are related to the certain um, group of social and emotional skills like creativity. It's not that much related to the mathematical achievements, but we know that you need to educate the holistic human being, not only the head. And these type of results that were not connected or related to the educational system or the background, actually, these were something that I was very thrilled and also a bit surprised that really there are some kind of... um, non-cultural or, or system-bound uh, 
how, how you say the, the connections in the, how these skills are developing. And actually, that was when we had the uh, launching event for our own report, Helsinki report. So that was the question that uh, one person from audience, actually he was and still is representing the teachers union, asked that how culturally related are these questions. And it was so great to hear Andreas Leiker telling that, no, this is kind of international phenomenon, not related to culture. So that was something that first catch my interest and, and but of course, there are so much things still to be go deep in that survey and report. So we haven't kind of studied them all so properly. But these are the first findings and, and remarks. And Andreas describes this report as first findings, you know, the first look into it. And of course, you know, there will be more in-depth analysis. But that point of intercultural skills, I think, is really hopeful again, because, you know, when you think of the situation of the globe and humanity at this point in time, knowing that there are a group of skills that irrespective to the culture, there is a link between those particular social emotional skills and learning, academic learning. That is such a positive stance because it's something that all of our education systems can be working on, you know, in spite of the differences across the different systems. And also one thing that how I found it very strongly highlighted that what makes the difference, uh, for example, thinking of self-esteem or control of the student is uh, how does the student find the relationship in, in between the teacher and him or herself? Do they feel that the teachers care them? If, if the relationship is there, if there's a good and secure atmosphere, so even if the system is very competitive, so they don't feel stressed because they feel that teachers trust them. And I think that was also a very, a very good results and, and also something that we should look more closely. In a way, when, you, when I say it, it feels like that it's self-evident, but sometimes we don't always see that in our schools and maybe the teachers don't understand in the full depth how important it is how they treat the children, because that's you, you can have a very high level criteria and even a lot of testing. But if there is the trust and comfort atmosphere and if the teachers are kind of meeting the needs of the children, so then the, the children are not stressed. It's really closely connected to the research that came out many years ago that talked about the number one factor in improving student outcomes or student achievement was the quality of the teacher. And I think this supports that original finding, and it goes deeper in the sense that it's the relationships that the teachers have with the students that build that confidence and help to build those social-emotional skills in the students that then transfer into better academic learning. I think it's really valuing of the teachers. I mean, I think intuitively we always knew the value of the professionals that are working with our students, but that just gives it more impact and more concrete findings that their ability to develop relationships is really what helps to build the students' learning and well-being. And that's a great outcome to come out of that. The other thing that you mentioned was the idea of that these social-emotional skills are not only developed in school, but they're developed at home. They're developed in the community. They're developed during extracurricular activities. And so, you know, when we think of what we're trying to do in education systems, part of it is to make sure that 
there's an understanding that learning and well-being of our students develops inside of school and outside of school. So how do we have those partnerships to really make sure that parents are connected and that coaches of extracurricular are connected and that all of them are seeing that developmental hope of having students come out with better skills in those areas. Exactly. And something that also what was a result from the international survey as well from Helsinki data is that there's a very strong connection in between the students' background, the home, the social economical background, and how the social emotional skills have developed and how they have learned them. There's also the place then that we can do something at school and we can really invest also on in that area to develop the social emotional skills to make the gap smaller. And also, I believe strongly that also helps our students to study, achieve better also in the academics. But to, to me, we shouldn't put that much emphasis on the academics. This might sound a bit, bit odd, but, <laughs> but it, what, when we are thinking of the future skills and what type of uh, uh, skills do we need in the future? So looking at this family of social and emotional skills, not the men's and resilience, curiosity, creativity, collaboration, and etc. Also the self-esteem and self-regulation. So these are the skills that when you listen and, and read from the CEOs of companies and great businesses, so they say that these are the skills that are valued in the future society and future labor market. Of course, you have to know how to read and write and have the basic knowledge of different subjects or sciences. But we shouldn't be so much I think, worried about the academic achievements and, and how well they are um, performing when they are 15. We should be more concerned about the social and emotional skills. And are we really improving this? Are we really helping our kids to achieve these uh, holistic skills that are so crucial in the future labor market and not only in the labor market, but in the future society? How do we build our future society, what will it look like? Do we help them to shape their future for the sustainability of themselves and their societies and also to shape a sustainable and successful future for our planet? So then we are discussing a really different area and spectrum of competencies than the academics. So I would put the emphasis on this social muscle learning instead of academics. They will follow You've described the future of learning absolutely beautifully, Mario. Thank you for that. Let's take a look at each of the cities that participated received a report. And uh, Helsinki received a report. And as you mentioned, you've shared that publicly. And uh, Andreas was there to help you uh, do that launch of that report. What did you learn out of the report? Were there any surprises? Well, I have already mentioned some that were similar to the global um, research what was a surprise was that, uh, as I said in the very beginning, our basic values for the education is equality and equity. And we have worked a lot to make the learning gap in between the boys and girls and also in, in between the poor performers to the best performers to become the smallest. And we have been very proud that our education system is uh, it's promoted equality and equity and, and it's very equitable, I feel. And now this uh, survey showed us that that's not the case with the social and emotional skills. Actually, we were amongst the 
cities where the gap in between boys and girls were one of the biggest, and also the impact of the children's home, really, we could see that in, in that there was a big gap. It was this kind of stopping moment that it opened up our eyes. And also, in a way, we are very grateful that we have this information that we thought, at least I thought we are a bit better. But seeing that in written in this report also made us to give us a tool that we are emphasizing and investing on this area a lot more than we've done before, even if we have had these social emotional skills in our curriculum, but maybe we have just taken them in kind of in granted and not really worked on that. We have the privilege that our, as I mentioned, our university, Helsinki University and the education faculty. So we have a great academic professor, Katarina Salmelaro, who was uh, with that research and survey from the very beginning, and we have been working closely. So her and her team, research team, they already have made further research based on the Helsinki data, and I'm just waiting for the results because they will publish their their publications and, and first research on that area. Also, we had results from the National Survey for Health and Wellbeing of our students. So now we are combining these findings, and I know that, for example, for me, it's very important that I have a close collaboration with the university so we can make research-based as well uh, experience-based actions how to work on this area. But that was maybe the biggest surprise was the gap because we think that we are, we are so equal and, <laughs> and our education is very equitable and then suddenly there was the gap. Mario, that's why you have such a strong education system in Finland, because you're willing to look, A, take part in these kinds of studies that provide information that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And secondly, when you have that, you're willing to ask yourself the hard questions. When you see that kind of thing, you know, in some ways, it's a real advantage to get some of that kind of data because it's motivating in the sense that you say, well, wait a second, we're not exactly where we thought we are. We need to be able to do better. And it brings in other partners. So through that study, you have a great partnership with uh, Katharina and the, the university, and you'll be able to go much deeper in how do you close those gaps that, you know, you weren't sure that they were there. But in the area of social emotional skills, they are, and you're going to be able to put some actions in place to help along with that. Exactly. And also there was another founding that uh, the skills were higher on a group of uh, the cohort of 10 years old and the 15 years old. And, and they were only, I think, the, if I recall it correctly, so it was the, the self-confidence that was stronger amongst the 15 years old. And of course, that was another finding that made us to think that what happens in between 10 and, and, and 15 years old. And again, the decline was seen in the global context, but not that strong that in our context. And also, here, uh, this was very valuable um, information for us because we also looking their structures, uh, of course, how to teach these skills, what we must be do now. And also we, when Andreas was um, visiting us, so we have the opportunity to have some discussions with him. And we also discussed a lot about the importance of early childhood education and early intervention. So 
these are malleable things so we can strengthen them throughout the education path. But also we are looking on that area that what is the starting point and how, how can we support our children there and the families. And it's, of course, the question is that because it was so strongly related to the family's background, so we must also include our social services and other partners and stakeholders. Actually, tomorrow we are going to have a virtual session with our school boards. Then we just selected us a new school board and we are arranging them training. And I'm going to talk about this topic and also to kind of uh, call our school boards for collaboration and parents uh, from the school boards, because our school boards are consisting of the parents uh, from that school. So what we can do together, because we can't solve the problem alone. So we need partners and parents and the school boards are very important partners. So tomorrow I have the opportunity to tell them about this uh, survey and also the results that, and also that we can do and we can success together. Fabulous, Mario. Uh, just a, another example of your action-oriented stance, and uh, that's why things get better in Helsinki and, and in Finland. That global uh, finding, it was in the global report where it talked about the dip in social-emotional skills between 10 and 15-year-olds. And of course, they compared that to cognitive skills, which over time are increasing as the child gets older. And this is something different about the social-emotional skills because there is that dip. And it's funny, you know, I was thinking of teachers from middle school and early high school. I'm sure they'd be the first to say that, you know, you didn't need a research to be able to tell them that they can see that in, you know, how the children interact as they grow through that phase. And it will be interesting now that we have an international research that's actually describing that. It's not the, the cognitive skills that are declining. It's actually the social emotional skills. So what do we need to do in our middle schools and in our secondary schools to really support and put more of an emphasis on social emotional learning as opposed to what typically happens with a real focus on subject area excellence? And so how does even if the school system continues to be structured around those subject area specialists, how do we make sure that in every one of those classes, there's a foundational element of social emotional skills that every middle and high school teacher feels equipped to be able to be helping children support their social emotional skills and not uniquely the subject area excellence that the teacher is charged with teaching. That's very positive, and it will be interesting to see how that circulates throughout the world. Yeah, exactly. I have a, a dream, uh, and that is that we could uh, define the learning uh, in a new way and define it in the way that we put the development or the learning of social and emotional skills as well the well-being would be in the heart of learning. So every action the teacher takes or the, how the students are studying, it's simultaneously promoting the social and emotional skills of the young ones. So in a way that it's not a kind of separate track, because that happens very often that we have this kind of, okay, now we have this social and emotional skills lesson, and then let's turn to the real learning. But if we put that in the heart of the learning, so then this could be something that our young ones would benefit a lot. But it really needs a bit more to put it in more concrete. And what does that mean in, in action, how to implement that? But in a way, I think it's also the kind of mindset that how do we describe and, and how do we see learning? And is it only up 
I as a teacher succeed only when they get the good results or do I do it in a more holistic way and do, do I see that it's an integral part of the learning is the social and emotional skills. So I would like to define learning in a new way. <laughs> and Mario, I think there will be so many teachers that will be really grateful for this kind of information because it's up to us at the leadership level and it's up to the policymakers to be able to really put social and emotional learning at the foundational point in all of our teaching and learning. I think many teachers have been doing that intuitively for so long. But to be able to have this type of research that says this is exactly the right thing to be doing, not only for the well-being of children, but for their academic learning as well, it actually improves their academic learning. I think having an entire education system have that at the forefront is really a positive outcome of this study and the work that you're doing. Yes, great. I can't agree more. <laughs> yes. Well, Mario, it has been fabulous chatting with you about this study and about uh, the work that you're doing in Helsinki. And I hope that uh, we can get together in a future time and talk a little bit about looking back on some of the actions that you've taken before that. I'm sure many of our listeners would love to hear next steps and uh, the impact that that's having on children in Finland. That would be my my honor and pleasure to meet you even in person and, and of course to, to be involved in this kind of discussions. We have already been thinking of some actions, of course, this is a very early stage, but we were very lucky because when the results came, so we were in the situation of building up our new city strategy. So the this kind of social muscle skills and skills for interaction in between and collaboration between our students. It's already there in our strategies. No, now we just built up the practical steps to how to implement this. Wonderful, Mario. Thank you so much for spending time with us. And we look forward to having a further discussion in the future. Take care. Thank you very much, Jennifer. It was my absolute pleasure. Thanks to Mario for joining our podcast today, for sharing her education systems learnings, from participating in the first OECD Survey of Social and Emotional Skills. If you enjoyed this podcast, Mario also joined us for a roundtable called OECD Study on Social and Emotional Learning. You can find it on the Knowledge Hook Signature Leadership Portal. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.